I'm Jamie Wheeler. When my daughter, who has autism, turned 18, the programs we depended on suddenly stopped, although her needs did not. So I started Austin's Autistic Adventures, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering autistic adults and their families. Much like our nonprofit, this podcast aims to spark candid conversations and build community. Welcome to Autism Unplugged. Welcome to Autism Unplugged, the show about all things autism. I am very pleased to have Kelly Andrus with me today. You said it right. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Returning guest, because uh, we had posed questions to the group that she homes called Awesome Moms. It's A-U for like awesome and moms, obviously. She has... About 10,000 followers, is that? Oh, it's about 8,000. 8,000? Well, still, that's very great. (laughs) Maybe closer to 10,000 because we have 8,000 in the private group. And then we got a couple thousand on our public and stuff. So, yeah, I guess so. Kelly deals mainly with younger families. There are some teens and uh, I suspect some adults as well, but mostly children with autism. And we asked her group to pose questions to Lisa and myself as we have adults on the spectrum and everybody wants clues about what's going to happen in the future. So last time we talked about some common experiences in growing up. And today we're going to get to the maybe not quite so fun stuff, but very necessary information. And that's regarding finances. So I'm just going to read um, one of the questions that your group member posed and we'll dive in from there and probably take some unexpected routes as well. But Um, Here is what one of your mothers asked. She says, I would like to know about the financial side of things once our adult children are no longer to be able to be covered by our insurance. What are the rules on how much money they can make? Does Medicaid affect this? Trusts, et cetera. Okay. That's a lot of topics. That is a lot of topics. So let's break this down one by one. Uh, Regarding insurance, your child, any neurotypical child can be carried on your parental insurance until age 26. However, you can petition to have your child on your insurance longer with a disability. Um, What you'll need with that, of course, is proof of diagnosis. You'll probably have to jump through a lot of hoops and fill out a lot of forms. Now, am I assuming if you have guardianship over your child, then you can keep them on your policy um, indefinitely? Or do they need their own policy? Like my child right now, he's under my insurance. He's 14. But because we needed to get ABA, we got him a child-only policy through the marketplace Mm -hmm. so that we could have that covered too. This is a question from somebody in my group. So yeah, that was my question too. Like when he ages out after like 26, does he just get a standalone policy on his own that we pay for? The research that I have done, and it has not been extensive, but the answer that I got is that, yes, you will have to petition to keep a child on parental insurance after 26. You would have to continue what you're currently doing, which is providing their own insurance. But that's really all I I know on the topic. Lisa, do you have anything to add as far as insurance goes? Not really. Most everyone I know goes the Medicaid route, which is decent coverage. It doesn't cover therapies a lot of times yeah. so that I can see a standalone policy for that at least it's an option now for parents to get uh yeah, to get ABA or Medicaid no. and it wasn't for oh my gosh so many years yeah, you know I've not heard but the of it. past like two years I think I have a list of eight maybe 10 places in DFW the ABA centers that now accept Medicaid mm-hmm. so hopefully it's going to be more of a common practice too 
And that kind of segues into another facet of caring for our children that I want to discuss as far as Medicaid goes. Yes, you will be given Medicaid if your child is diagnosed autistic. A diagnosis is going to change or going to go away, and insurance companies generally understand that, although I have a lovely story to tell you about other people who don't. So the issue for many people will be finding places that will actually take you or your child as a patient When I first got insurance for Austin, both through Medicaid and and personal, they sent me these long lists of providers. And I called probably, I'm not exaggerating, between 20 and 30 providers. I would say a third of the numbers I were given were no longer even in operation. Another third were not accepting new patients. Another maybe quarter of that never returned my calls. It's It's a nightmare. So we've tried to do what we can on that to help the community. One of our members, Danielle, she created this site about a year ago. It's called DFWASD.com. And there are several different categories in there. There are ABA companies. There are haircut places that accept children and adults that are on the spectrum. There are companies that accept Medicaid. There are extracurricular activities like equestrian and swimming and stuff like that. So she's made this like massive database and it's taken her, bless her heart, it's taken (laughs) her so long and she cross-references it all the time to make sure that the information is up to date. Now, she can't cross-reference it so much to make sure like she doesn't know if this ABA center is full. But she can at least make sure that they're still in business and that they're still accepting Medicaid and stuff like that. But there are so many categories on there that in the past, like when Bradley was diagnosed, you just picked up a phone book and just started, you know, calling down the list and stuff. Um, So this takes a lot of that out of the equation for new parents entering this world. What a marvelous resource. I had no idea about it. How do we get AAA on that list? (laughs) I think you might already be on that list. Oh, really? Okay, great. I'll double check. I mean, absolutely wonderful because when Austin was, it's like 2003, so she was about six. I was working at uh, UT Dallas in the music department, and I remember sitting at my desk for over 90 minutes getting volleyed back and forth between the medical side and the mental health side. So, of course, things have come a long way since 2023, but the medical side was saying it was mental, the mental side was saying it was medical, and here's my poor six-year-old who is just, her autism is still... I don't want to say severe, but significant. But she had so many less coping skills at six. And I was in graduate school with a autistic toddler and a baby. So I did not yeah. want to be on the phone for 90 minutes telling me some nobody would help my child. And you know what? I never did get the therapy because I just gave up. Insurance isn't really that much better now. Really? Just a couple of years ago, um, every year I would try to petition with my insurance company, with my workplace on getting coverage or the mental health health department of my insurance was subcontracted through another company. So it was like it was going through transfers and all just to talk to somebody right. who mm-hmm. can help you. And then it was, oh, no, no, that's going to be um, medicals department. Oh, no, no, that's yep. going to be mentalist department. I mean, this was 10 years after you dealt with it. And it's still a nightmare. 
Luckily, more companies, more self-insured companies especially, are offering more services. They're paying for ABA now. They're paying for speech. They're paying for OT. We're in the past. They just said, we no, were, I don't want to pay for it. No, we were, we were very lucky. My husband's employer was a self-insured employer. And when he was young... We had fantastic coverage for his his therapies. There was an out-of-pocket expense, but it was manageable for what we were getting. As soon as he turned school age, though, that stopped because they were like, well, he's old enough to go to school now. And, of course, he was already attending classes at age three through the behavioral initiative. Yeah, yeah, the school. I call it the autism preschool provided uh, by the district. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was doing that. But the therapy that the school district has the time and money to offer is nothing compared to private therapy. It is minimal. And bless their hearts, they do the best they can, but it really is minimal. So we tried to carry on on our own out of pocket for a little while longer. And it was extremely expensive. It's almost impossible. It really is. I have a story to tell about that, too. My daughter was going to a private school for disabilities when she was between four and eight. They offered OT on site, but in addition to her extremely high tuition, that was another $120 an hour. And that was in 2003 or so. So we did it a few times. And not to disparage OTs and what they do, but I couldn't afford that. So we turned our formal living room into an OT Mm -hmm. center. We had a a swing in there. We had a sit sit and spin. We did all kinds of things. But parents shouldn't have to do that. We had to do the same. Did you really? We bunked our boys up and they shared a room. Uh And we made our third bedroom Bradley's therapy room and his sensory room and his Mm -hmm. uh, his own space, you know, that he needed to have. And, you know, we've come a long way with autism, but in some ways we've barely scratched the surface of what these kids really need. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I will say I'm so glad for you and other parents who didn't have the even meager resources that you do, it's still such a long way. And the rate of autism is just going up and up. I know I've mentioned this several times in the podcast, but in 2019, the prediction was that there would be 500,000 young adults graduating from high school over the next five years. So we're four years into that prediction. So that means that half a million are Mm -hmm. already out here and if, as we keep discussing on that this podcast, if you think things are bad for kids, oh my gosh. So we suspect, I think if the trajectory keeps going as it is, things will be much better in 20 years for our kids. They have to be. They will. They have to be because then, already it's gotten to the point where everybody knows somebody with autism. It used yeah. to be, well, my cousin's little boy you know he's he's a little quirky you know or Mm -hmm. or i grew up with a neighbor kid you know who was different now it's every single person you meet has a connection in some way with a person with autism Mm -hmm. whether it's a family member a neighbor a classmate it is affecting everybody now and it's a big discussion that comes up in my group do you think it's that we have more awareness now or do you think the numbers are actually growing in me I think it's uh both. I believe Um, that, too. There's so many different theories out there about why it's growing. You know how the community is. There's Is it vaccines? Is it genetic? Is it environmental? I don't know. I I, I have my suspicions, but 
I don't truly know, but I know that we've got to do something. And it also may not be just one cause, right? We're, sure. It could be sure, a exactly. multiple sure, different I, reasons. Maybe it's chemical sensitivity. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's a combination of who uh, knows. I think it has to be a who combination. Knows? And my, my thinking on that early on, though, was... I could research this to the end of the moon. Oh, it'll drive you mad. It'll drive you mad, and it won't change the fact that my child has autism. Absolutely. It will not. But don't you think, for me anyway, that was such a new mom thing. Like, I want to figure out how Mm -hmm. this happened. I want to figure out why this happened. I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to more and more families. So it was... With me anyway, and I think a lot of new moms, a little bit of an obsession at first on mm-hmm. finding out the why. Absolutely. But after a while, you go. doesn't matter why. It doesn't just, matter why. It is. got to move forward from now. I, I, mm-hmm. I'll just give this little side. I knew we'd take a little side journey here. <laughs> we uh, do a lot of I side know. journeys. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about money is boring. Austin was, she was unofficially diagnosed by a PhD candidate at UT Dallas. And that week, I don't know how soon, I went to our university library and I checked out every single book. And, you know, if you know me at all, you know, I'm a researcher. So I just barreled through all these books. But, you know, the one that helped me the very most was Temple Grandin's Thinking in Pictures. Mm, Yeah, It, it really helped me understand Austin in a way that I hadn't before her wanting us to sit on her. She would put pillows on top of, she'd lay down oh, on the yeah. couch. She'd want us to sit on her. Like, what the heck? And the way she thinks visually and, oh, it's a lot. But I think yeah. you're right. For me, too, I blame myself in some ways. I, I When I was pregnant with her, before I knew I was pregnant, I was using this really powerful cleaner on some windows and drinking a margarita because I didn't know I was pregnant. And I've always wondered to this day, did that have anything to do with it. See, I'm the opposite. I've never blamed myself for a second. Before he was diagnosed, I knew there was something off. He had feeding issues. It was like I cried a lot about that because I felt like I couldn't raise my own child. I didn't know what was wrong or why or because he was my fourth. So it's what is different. And I will say that being my fourth, that was when I was my most mature during pregnancy and did not do any of the crazy things that you might do when you're 18 or 19 and having a child. I feel like I did everything right. But now as my older boys anyway, it has become obvious as they've matured, they are a little bit on there too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my other daughter, she is most likely on the Asperger scale end of it. I know she is now. But at the time, she was so much more competent in everything than Austin was that I did not see her autism until it was far too late. And, you know, they've um, they've changed a lot of things on diagnosis now with what they call, like, the uh, autism umbrella. One of the first things they asked us, you know, when we were diagnosing Bradley, to me and my husband, was either of you hyper, ADD, ADHD, mm-hmm. all that? My husband was. My younger son, I'm actually uh, taking him to a doctor because we think he's ADHD. I think there's a lot of underlying genetic factors that you just can't you can't miss them you know and Mm -hmm. you see it so much in families i personally don't think that i have any signs of it but shoot who knows you know maybe maybe i do too we've we've really found a lot of things out in the past 10 years that things that didn't really um spark red flags at the time now i'm like oh my gosh right so obvious Mm -hmm. you know and bradley was our first and we didn't have 
a bunch of the same problems. He didn't regress. Just one day, he stopped progressing. One day, he just stopped learning new words. And one day, he stopped learning new things. And um, he was such an angel of a baby. Sleeping 12 hours a night by three months. Oh. He'd let anybody hold him. I mean, he was great. And me and my husband, being our first child, we were like... Maybe we're just like awesome parents. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I have this similar story. Austin slept through the night from the day she came home from the hospital. I never had sleep issues. And then oh, it was like no. let, let, later, that's not normal. Babies are supposed to wake up during oh, the night. No, you're like, yeah. hashtag exactly. All right. <laughs> but she, like Lisa, Austin wouldn't latch on. And I felt like a failure as a mother failure i had the problem too and you know and i don't know about what the culture is because i'm way out of the mommy business now but 20 years ago at the time if you were not breastfeeding your child you were pure evil okay so here's another question and this information is current as of september 2023 if an adult on the spectrum or has in any disability if they are earning ssi and that is supplemental security income that is a benefit that a permanently disabled person will receive every month after you fill out the required paperwork with the Social Security Administration. It is different than Social Security. It's supplemental security income, two very different things. As soon as your child turns 18, you need to get your butt down to the Social Security Administration, get that paperwork filled out. If you have an official diagnosis, it does not in my case, I don't know about for anyone, but Austin had her answer within two weeks, and we've been receiving SSI since she was 18, and we'll talk about SSDI, too, which is a whole different animal, but let's say you're 18-year-old or however they, old they are, again, as of September 2023, is working. For every dollar they make, over $85, their SSI is deducted 50 cents for every dollar they make. So a lot of parents who have the lucky 10 to 15% of the spectrum that are able to work at all really have to watch that threshold because the money most autistic people are making is going to be less in the workforce than what their SSI would cover. So it does not benefit families to have their autistic adult working more than about, honestly, Maybe if you're lucky, 15 hours a week. I was going to throw in, this came up maybe last year before last in uh, my mom's group. It was an article that had come out about these kids, some autistic ki I say kids, in their yeah. 20s, working at a Goodwill, and they were, only make they were making minimum wage. The public was outraged. And they were like, no, no, they deserve to be making way more than that. Mm -hmm. And a couple of my uh, mom friends who had adult children were like, no, no, you no, don't no. understand. Yeah. yeah, That will knock them out of the benefits. That will knock them out of the benefits. So they will actually, they will only be able to work, they will only work less hours to make the same amount of money where what we're really looking for them is the fulfillment and the interaction and the ability mm -hmm. to have a job. And I don't think most of the public understands that at all because it never occurred to me. I was like, no, these kids deserve to be making just as much money as anybody else. 
But there's a whole lot of stuff that is involved that most people don't understand about this. Absolutely. And I can interject here and getting into our time machine. Until 2019, it was perfectly legal for companies to pay disabled employees less than minimum wage. And a lot of big companies also get a government subsidy for providing jobs for employment. Mm -hmm. Now, this thankfully was overturned in 2019, and you must pay minimum wage. Good luck finding anybody who's going to pay more than that for a lot of things. And I got to say, us included, we pay our employees minimum wage because we struggle. But we certainly look forward to them making more money if they can. Now, that if they can caveat um, comes because uh, last two weeks ago, I met a gentleman who is the head of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. And he was testifying before Congress on September 11th, trying to get that cap removed. So let's hope that happens because it's not only a monetary issue, although it would help, right? It would help our families because whatever pocket money they make or contribute toward their insurance or their gas, that's helpful to middle and lower income families. Now, if you're a wealthy person, God bless. But for a lot of us, it's a struggle. And maintaining that paperwork is hard. One of the moms in our group, her son, Daniel, had gotten a job washing dishes somewhere. They came back at her like years later asking for like $1,200 back. It was a nightmare. I've heard of things like you this know, It's not right. And even if you're wealthy, having a job where you can attend, I would say at least 20 hours a week would be so life-changing for our kids. Oh, absolutely. They have to interact. They have to converse. They have to be active. I so, mean, my son is mar- uh, minimally verbal, verbal but non-conversational. But nothing makes him happier than accomplishing a task, mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. like he contributed, you know, feeling like he was part of something. That's huge for him. Um, That's huge for anyone. That's a yeah. human being. You want to be a part of a network and a group. You know, you want to feel like you matter exactly. and you're making a difference. I can and, speak for some yeah. of those that may not may not see that same picture. My son would probably not. He actually would do well in a job. And I can't say that he's happy to complete a task where it pleases him to be a part of a group. But it's necessary for him to do those things Absolutely. as a human being. Oh, sure. Don't get me wrong. It's going to take really 15 minutes to do a two-minute job mm-hmm. because he moves like you're watching something in slow motion. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Somebody once asked us, they were like, did Bradley ever elope? And I said, no, he doesn't like to run. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so, I mean, even though he's not going to do it maybe as fast or as meticulous, he likes having a purpose, you know, and every kid's purpose is different. And again, I keep saying kids, but you know, I mean, I, um, think, I think young Justin adults, adults. has since we've started this store, the A3 resale shop, he comes to work every day with me. He is not an employee. He's more of a volunteer, but he has certain t- tasks and he knows exactly what time he's supposed to do those tasks. And they are keyed on when we open the store and when we close the store. So he's like, (laughs) wants to get there and get open. And then when it's time to close, he wants to get those tasks done so we can go home. (laughs) He's very focused on that. Yeah, my daughter also is not able to work a traditional job. She and Justin are at the store doing little things all day, but we do keep them creative and engaged. So even if your adult doesn't have the ability to hack a CVS or a Kroger, there will be more places like us, hopefully, that are finding ways for them to be a part 
of the community because the industrial revolution, punch a clock, nine to five, that's gone for a lot of people. It needs to be gone for our kids too, that they're not expected to be bagging groceries for eight hours. My daughter would be out at 10 minutes. If she would mess something up, somebody would yell at her, it would be over and I would probably find the person and whack them (laughs) upside the head, which would lead to other issues. (laughs) Anyway, let's kind of move on from insurance there, unless there's anything else you guys wanted to say. Um, I've got a couple of insurance pros that I deal with that can help families figure out how to get child-only policies for their kids. Because, I mean, a lot of middle-class families, they have insurance through their work, and their work doesn't cover the um, therapies and the um, activities that they need. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, like Justin and Jason, the two guys I use, they help me figure out how to get a child-only policy and which policies would help me cover that. They're not cheap, but they're a fraction, a fraction of the cost that these therapies would have cost me out of pocket. Because out of pocket, you can't afford afford to do it it. out of pocket Mm -hmm. unless you're a very wealthy family. So I've shared a lot of this information in my group, and I mean, I'd love to... In the future, someday, if you ever wanted to have one of the insurance guys on, and I can oh, come on, uh, and uh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm inviting myself no, back of again. Course. You know, so you're going to be part of the you're going to be part say, of the pod. My here my story about the trying to you know struggle along with therapy out of pocket for Justin led to bankruptcy. <laughs> so um, wow. I will know? say, when I first started, when trying moms, to make that happen, just let everything else. When I first when I first got involved in the autism community, and I'm asking, this was before uh, Obamacare in the marketplace right. um, existed, and I'm asking these moms, I'm like, I don't understand. How can you do this? This costs like a hundred thousand dollars. How do you do this? She goes, put it all on credit cards until uh, until you don't have any credit cards left, and uh, then file like medical bankruptcy. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. What? I'm like, that's the plan? I'm like, that's that's the the go-to? I'm like, I have a house. (laughs) It's like, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. but seriously, that is what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, this can't be the way. A lot of families still can't even afford the child-only policy. I mean, it's expensive. It probably cost me... 12 grand a year. Oh my gosh. But in comparison to the ABA, which was mm-hmm. 100 grand a year. Oh, oh my well, gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was it's the it investment. Was a, <laughs> yeah. We didn't have ABA even. That wasn't even a thing when our kids. And also, I mean, I, I'm throwing these numbers out there. They're different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, my son oh, yeah. was 40 hours a week, you know, one on one in a fancy, super nice, mm-hmm. reputable ABA center. You know, if somebody's doing three afternoons a week, might not be near that much, but. It's still gonna be a lot. Yeah, everything with autism has expensive. Oh, everything. That, that's another. That's another thing I'd like to gripe about at some other point. But we want to talk about trust. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we're going to have also a trust expert come on. But since these moms have asked these questions of us, I want to address them at least as well as we can. So the same mom that asked the multitude of questions wants to know (laughs) about trust. Here's what I know. And it's making me insane because my mom and my kid's father both have money to leave to Austin when they pass Neither one of them have established a special needs trust, and I keep begging them to do so. I know it's expensive. I know it's a pain in the neck. But if you do not establish a special needs trust for your child, that money is taxable. 
If you put it into a special needs trust, it is not. That's the extent of my knowledge about special needs trust. Thank that's, you for listening. That's big enough. <laughs> I mean, it's a big enough that, reason to do it. That's that's the bottom line. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm do you sure want to give the government your money or do you want your, do- your granddaughter to have it? Here's some other information about special needs trusts for you. Special needs trusts allows for a disabled person to maintain his or her eligibility for public assistance benefits despite having assets that would other make a person ineligible for these benefits. So think about that. If your trust is not in a special needs trust, SSI or SSDI goes Mm bye-bye. So they will have to live solely on whatever income is left after that. I don't know what the state thinks. Uh, Lisa and I have a different situation. Both of our children's fathers are permanently disabled. So we get SSDI, which is not that I want my ex disabled, but it has been a godsend to us financially. She will lose all of his benefits after he dies. She will lose her SSDI. It'll be a nightmare. And I don't know how to impress upon people who have the ability. And I'm grateful for it. But the government will take their cut if you let them. So on that cheerful note, (laughs) do you have anything to say about trust? Do you know anything? Um, Your extent of it is about my extent of it. Um, You know, Bradley's only 14, so... Man, I feel like everything we do every day is on like a, okay, we got to do this now and then we got to move on to the next thing next year, you know, but we're actually going to a transition fair next week. I know it might be a little early for that, but I figure why no, not get as not. much knowledge in there? It's now? not. You will it's not. You will blink and he will be a senior. Everybody says that. But with for our kids, I think I feel that time crunch even more. But you're smart to do that because, like I said, we, even 10 years ago, autism services were just a shimmer of what they are now. It, almost everybody I know has kids in ABA therapy. I guess that's the way to go. It is for a lot of people. I recommend it greatly just because of the amazing positive impact it had on Bradley and our family. But for some, like a lot of higher functioning kids, they don't need it. Maybe they need more of individual therapy, social skills. Sensory. Sensory issues. Issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody. But it really is for a lot of families. And the younger you can get them in. I mean, Bradley's Mm -hmm. mind was so much more flexible and moldable. And, you know, he was able to adapt to new situations when he was two, three, and four. He graduated last year. So now, you know, he's doing good. But I think he really misses ABA, too. But he's at the point where he's ready. He's a big boy. He's older. Back when Justin was diagnosed, the big deal was to find a developmental pediatrician. There was Mm -hmm. like one in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I think she Mm -hmm. moved to Arizona shortly after she diagnosed him. (laughs) Could not find another developmental pediatrician anywhere. That was the thing. And now ABA is great and it's great when they start early. But then what happens when they age out of that? That's where we've fallen off and need to pick up. And that's oh, absolutely. Kind of and it, that's where the, the community comes the community in on that, comes too. In, yeah. I guess the last thing I wanted to say about this is if you are a mom like the, the three of us are and you're trying to do every single thing you can, but it's so disheartening sometimes, oh, I it guess, is. you know, to just well, you, and especially you, watch. you go through plateaus too, yeah. where you don't see any progress. Right. Oh. Or worse than that, huge regression here and there. You know, oh. um, it's very disheartening, exhausting, um, defeating. But. Again, that's one of the reasons, you know, I started my group, too. Sometimes it's easier to go through the muck when somebody's going through the muck oh, with you. Yeah. you know? I think that's Absolutely. one wonderful thing that has changed all of our lives is just, you know, the Internet for bad or for evil. But it helps connect us. Absolutely. Because remember, when in 2003, the Internet wasn't much of a thing. 
Can you believe that? All right. <laughs> but it has allowed us to connect and to, to share services and to share ideas. And I'm so glad I finally reached out to you and you may just become a par- permanent part of the pod here. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's been great. The, the more connections and the more cohesive our entire autism community is, the better it is for us as parents, for our kids. I mean, you know, the stronger we are, the more difference we're going to make. Stick together, make a plan, support each other. We'll see you next time.